It's a wonderful evening to be together. We're so glad that you're with us here worshiping the Lord and hearing from his word together. We have uh, just a couple announcements tonight. The first is that the Children and youth ministry programs here at Maranatha are planning to be gathering with face-to-face ministry this fall. Uh, There's been numerous meetings that have been happening over the last couple weeks trying to finalize some of those details. And so emails will be coming uh, very shortly here as some more final details are are finalized. But I just wanted to let you know that if you have children or grandchildren in the children's ministry or the youth ministry that we are planning to gather uh, face-to-face uh, exactly what that looks like will be coming shortly. The uh, second announcement is that the Maranatha Women's Ministry and Moms Group would like to invite you to a baby shower brunch in honor of the Stork Basket Ministry. Perhaps you have never heard of the Stork Basket Ministry, but you all know that babies come and are delivered to homes in a sto- by a stork. And, and so we have some babies that are coming. Uh, the storks are preparing their baskets right now to deliver these babies in the coming months. So we have at least four babies that we're aware of that are uh, among our church family that are going to be coming due. And so the stork ministry, the stork basket ministry, gathers together uh, baskets for families with newborns. Uh, the baskets can contain things like blankets, washcloths, hooded bath towels, diapers, baby wipes, books, Outfits for both girls and boys and and onesies. And so on Saturday, September 12th from 10 to noon, there is going to be this brunch in the gathering place, which is our gym area in the other building. If you are able to come and participate, or even if you can't come to the actual event but want to donate some items that can be given as gifts to families with with new babies, you can uh, contact Julie Henningsen and uh, RSVP by September 9th uh, to Julie as well. So those are our two main announcements. Pastor Cody is going to come, and uh, we have a a special opportunity tonight to pray. There we go. To to pray over our new children's pastor. And so Cody and uh, Darren and Aaron's father, father, Joel, are going to be coming on up. And that's one of the beautiful things we have at Maranatha is we're a church of all generations. And we are excited to have Aaron Brown here. Let's welcome him. And uh, we have taken time. We, we looked at many different people. And uh, Aaron Brown was the one we believe that God's called to the ministry here as our children's pastor. And we're excited about that. And we're glad that his father could come. His father's a pastor for 25 years, or maybe more than that, the same church, about 24, 25, 6, 26 years. And uh, we're excited to have him here. So we're going to take time and pray. And would you join us as we pray and commission Aaron and his wife, Corinne? If you would stand up. This is his wife, Corinne. We're glad you're with us also. So let's pray. And then, so Pastor Joel's going to pray, and then Darren, our new chairman of the board, is going to pray, and then I'll close in prayer. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time where we can uh, commission Aaron to to ministry here at at Maranatha, but also uh, for a lifetime, for what you've called him to do and to be, what you designed him and made him for. Lord, this is the culmination of many, many prayers and many hours of study, but also of just life and growing and and learning of you. And so I pray today 
that your richest blessing, of course, would be upon him and his wife, Corinne. We pray that uh, that he would use the gifts and abilities that you have designed him and given him and gifted him with for the purposes of his calling, both as a pastor, as a man, as a husband, and uh, should you grant him a family as a, as a father as well, but also as a friend to so many people. And I pray that uh, there would be uh, the use of those gifts for the glory of Christ and for the sake of the gospel. I pray that though he would walk in humility before you, that he would desire to please you in every respect and to serve this community, serve this church family uh, in love and in grace and in truth. And so I pray that you would equip him and fulfill his mission here. And I pray that your richest blessing would be upon him. And we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, we uh, thank you for uh, the search that has gone out and and been going on, and we thank you that you have brought Aaron to us through that. We believe that Aaron has a heart for you and for children. As he started his education and realized he wanted to be sharing you with with children, and he has felt that call upon his heart. Lord, I thank you that Awana's was an important part of his salvation journey and that he will be involved with our Awana's, that that will mean something special to him, knowing how it gets to the hearts of those who are in it and actually those leaders that are in it. So we pray for Aaron as he leads our children's ministries, Lord, the Awana's program, the Sunday School program. And we pray for him as he is part of the team at Maranatha. We just pray for peace to be upon our pastors and the unity on them. And we thank you for that, that we have had that through the years. We just ask now that you will bless him and Corinne in their time here at Maranatha. We pray that it would be long. We pray that as he looks for vision in his ministry, that he may not make it short but he may make a long vision and a goal to work for and that we that he may spend a lifetime in that amen Amen. and father god truly no one should ever go into ministry unless they are called and no one should ever go forward in ministry unless they have your anointing so lord we pray that you would bless our brother aaron that you would equip him to deal with all the craziness that is happening and this is one of the most peculiar hardest times to enter into ministry as we deal with covid and all the restrictions but lord we want to follow your leading and guiding and i pray that he would do that equip him to do the work to be a a minister to those who are ministering to children again you've called us all into ministry but some of us are called into full-time vocational ministry and we pray that you would anoint him to do the work here at maranatha and we commission him as our children's pastor. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks, Aaron. We're excited for you. Well, good evening, and I am glad about that little cloud right there. So when I was in Washington State, and I wanted to enter into the mountain rescue unit there, I had to do a lot of training. And one of the training aspects that we had to do with was in the mountains. And my favorite part was dealing with rappelling off of 
cliffs, mountains, whatever kind of dangerous thing that would be, repelling out of a helicopter, whatever it would be. And as we did this training, they had certain steps you had to do, and if you didn't check these things, truly, you could die. I mean, there's one thing to repel off maybe the, the roof here for a couple feet, but if you're going 70 feet straight down, if you don't do the right things, you could truly die. And my teacher was great well-skilled and he had this thing he called the a b c d e a you start with your anchor make sure that you're anchored in In fact for mountain rescue we had two anchors we always had two anchors because if one failed you're still connected if your anchor was bad you're done especially if you're repelling off a mountain cliff a is anchor b make sure that your rope hits the bottom of where you're going throw the rope out and yell bottom because someone's down there and make sure the rope is at the bottom. A, B, C. Make sure that all of your carabiners are locked and set properly. If they're the wrong way, the rope could slip, open one up, you're done. A, B, C, D. D, make sure all of your devices are threaded properly. In fact, just a couple, maybe it was a month ago, we took some of the youth over to Taylor Falls. We did some rappelling. And they, they loved it. And I said, make sure all your devices are threaded. We had all these backups for them. You know, this, this prussic knot and this fireman belay on the bull. We had all this back and sure everything's threaded right. And the last one, E, the extra ump. And what I would do is I'd have them hold the rope and I push on their shoulders. We're on the ground, but they oh, see, everything held tight. Trust the system. A, B, make sure the rope hits the bottom. In Washington, up in the Olympic Mountains, there's this famous bridge. They call it the, kind of like the Skyline Bridge. It's just... Up in the mountains, this rickety old bridge, and people love to repel off it. Some army guys were off duty, and they decided to repel. They didn't do the A, B, C, D, E. They just did A. They never checked B. In fact, when they repelled off this bridge, they went, kept going, and they ran out of rope, and one guy just fell all the way down. Gratefully, he lived, but the mountain rescue had to go out there, help them, make sure that he was okay after he fell. You've got to follow that. What happens when you reach the end of your rope? Now that's a phrase, kids, maybe you haven't heard that before, but sometimes we use that to say, I'm kind of done, I'm at the end of my rope, I've got nowhere else to go, I feel like life is coming down on me, I'm at the end of the rope, you need more rope. Just as we are at the end of the Old Testament. In fact, get your Bibles out, we are at the last book in the Old Testament. Malachi. We are at the end, the last prophetic words, the beginning of 400 years of silence. They're at the end. And this message that we're going to find tonight is a message needed, even though there's going to be 40 year, 400 years of silence, there's a message that a messenger who's going to point to the messenger is coming. Hope is there. Even though you're at the end of your rope, even though you're at the end, there's hope. Let's pray before we get into the Word of God. Father, I thank You for this evening. This is beautiful. When I woke up this morning, I was like, uh-oh. But the breeze, being out here in the back, it's just so nice. Even greater is the richness of Your Word that we hold. Sweeter than honey. Purer than gold. 
truly we desire this evening to learn from you. Because it's possible that some of us feel like we're at the end of the rope. We feel like next month we don't know what's happening. I feel like life is just going crazy. I'm at the end. We need hope. And truly, Jesus, you are our hope. So guide us this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this summer we've been going through and we've been seeing through the prophetic books that we've got, these minor prophets that we have. They kind of have this kind of mentality of kind of giving the same message. In fact, as a pastor, when I kind of thought, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do the 12 minor prophets through the summer, it's going to be great. And then I kind of realized each of the minor prophets say the kind of the same thing over and over and over. I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. How are we going to do this? They begin by reaching the rebellious people and rebuking them, which is fitting for their situation. Again, people have broken their covenant they made with God and they've fallen into idolatry, into other things. Then came not just this judgment, then came this call to repent and return to God who loves them greatly. Then lastly, we see in each of these, there's this hint, there's this reminder of this hope of the Messiah, of salvation, of this restoration that is to come. God promises that He'll accomplish this through His anointed one, through His Messiah, through this special servant. And we've seen as we've gone through these minor prophets looking also at the New Testament, we've seen that Jesus is that Messiah fulfilling what they spoke of. The promises that were spoken about Himself in the Old Testament. I wrote this down. We see the beauty of the fulfillment of the life, death, resurrection, and exaltation of Jesus Christ unfolding in a progressive aspect of redemption. We see it more and more happening as we go through the Old Testament. In fact, I want to give a summary of where we've been. Aaron, if you could help me out here with my climbing rope. In fact, some of you have handed out a little sheet of paper. You can look at it. And if you didn't get one, there's a summary of what we've done. Remember, we started with Hosea. The redemptive themes of God's love, His unfailing love in Hosea's story, are supremely filled in Christ. Jesus is our Redeemer. Jesus is our Lover. Then Joel, if you recall, Pastor Eric preached on that. A time is coming when God would judge all sin and a message of hope for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. Then Amos. The themes of God's justice in the book of Amos are supremely filled in Christ. Remember, Jesus is God's plumb line. He is that standard. And guess what? As a result, we fail. We're not straight. We're crooked. We're messed up. And we don't measure up. But Jesus is our justice. And Christ-centered social justice is is an expression of the Gospel. Then we went to Obadiah. Let me fix this microphone here. Tangled up. That's alright. Look, I even got it more tangled. I wonder how I could do this with ropes when I was in the... Alright, there we go. Obadiah. Judgment against the nation of Edom. For helping the Babylons capturing Judah. Remember, they turn against their cousins, their brothers, and just let 
the Babylonians take him over. Even though there was hatred and injustice, it could not extinguish God's faithful, redemptive love that would not let his people go. Remember at the end I said, Oh, bad, I uh, didn't care for my brother. That first part, Obadiah. Then Jonah, Pastor Tony shared on this, written in a form of satire, we see that selfish disobedience highlights God's mercy as we look at Jesus, His selflessness and love for us. Then Micah, this specific prophesied birth location in a small town of Bethlehem, and we celebrated Christmas in July. Remember singing the Christmas carol. Then Nahum, Jesus is the message of God. Jesus is the Gospel we all truly need. We need to communicate the message of Jesus to future generations. We talked about how the message can be lost even within three generations. Then Habakkuk, we, the question is, how were the people in the Old Testament saved? Here it is, by putting their faith in Jesus whom God will send. They, they put their faith in the promise, in the seed. Well, how are people in the New Testament, even today, saved? By putting their faith in God, in Jesus whom God has sent. The righteous live by faith. Then we go on to Zephaniah. Remember, sorrow or singing? The day of the Lord. Warning and judgment, that's what the day of the Lord is about. You can be on your way to damnation, but God intervenes with His great love. Judgment is not the last word for His children. Restoration and salvation is available. Then we went on to Haggai. After devastation has hit, what are we to do? Or after you've been saved, now what? And we went through garden, tent, building, person, people, paradise. Get your priorities right. Proclaim by placing God first. God's glory must be our top priority. Do all you can to magnify the cross and the beauty of Jesus. Then last week was Zechariah. Seven portraits of Christ. The big day is often the most important day of our lives, and that is when you turn to Christ as your Savior. And tonight, we're going to get to the end. The end of the Old Testament. The end of this rope here. Malachi. Is the story done? Look at my rope. This is the end. In fact, when you repel, you don't know if it's at the bottom, tie a knot there so when you're repelling, the knot will stop you so you don't go the rest of the way. Is the story done? Put your faith in Christ. God's messenger of the covenant. We can just set it down on the ground here. So that's a summary of where we've gone and what we're going to do tonight. Jesus fulfills the promises that were given in these prophetic books. And as I've gone through all of these 12, some of them I'm like, wow, I kind of forgot what we talked about because we've gone through each of these at such a rapid speed. Jesus fulfills the promises of redemption found from Genesis all the way to the end of the Old Testament. The final answer to this dilemma, though, is not fully given. Notice at the end of the rope, are we done? In fact, if all you had is the Old Testament, you'd go, what's next? What's going to happen? Though we are at the end of this section, we are truly not at the end of the story of the redemption. For the Messiah is coming. So get your Bibles. Let's go to Malachi. 
Malachi chapter 1. Malachi contains these six sections, six oracles. In, in fact, in these, it often begins with the people complaining. People never complain to God, do they? Oh, they do. Even today. Even sometimes in our hearts, we complain. So he's got these complaints written down, and during these complaints, he kind of documents what their complaints are, but then the Lord responds to them with words of rebuke because they lack faith in his promises. This is fitting for our summer statement. The minor prophets show us a glimpse of God's wake-up call, like that megaphone. All of the minor prophets are trying to say, wake up, people! Something's wrong. Get right with God. So they've got this. But sadly, before I finish the rest of our statement, that's how many people view God. You know, they just go, oh, the Old Testament, it's just judgment, lightning bolts. God just is mean with people. And in the New Testament, oh, he's all flowers. He's all full of grace. And they kind of look at the Old Testament because you read through the minor prophets. If you don't have the lens of Jesus, you might think, man, these people just don't know how to wake up. They don't know how to get right with God. There just seems so much of that. Yes, there is judgment. But remember, God is just. Comma. But He's more than just. He's grace and mercy. That Adam and Eve could even live the next day shows His grace and mercy, right? That they have kids after Exodus 32, 33, 34. Man, God's a God of justice, but He's also a God of grace and mercy. Before the Lord rebukes the people, take a look at verse 2. I have loved you, says the Lord. Just pause at that phrase. In fact, if there's anything you underline in this book of the Bible, underline that. Because all of us should be reminded that even in our failures, even at the end of the rope, they keep failing and failing, God reminds them, I have loved you. I have loved you. And then we can finish the rest of our summer statement. The minor prophets show us a glimpse of God's wake-up call and also the hope of God's love that will not let us go, which is ultimately found in Christ. We see their sin, and their sin cannot make God cease from loving them. There's a reason I keep saying, memorize Romans 8. The whole chapter and if you can only do the first part do the first part and then do the last part for i am convinced that nothing death life angels deem nothing can separate us from the love of god that is found in christ jesus our lord of the many messages given in malachi the main message is to an anxious people of the coming messenger who would point to the message the main one. So here, they're at the end of the rope. Is the story done? Okay, God, we're at the end here. Now what? So God, through the last prophet, gives this great message to an anxious people. The anxious people have grown tired and weary. Remember, they, they built everything up so God could dwell there. The temple was built. Everything was going to be good. They built the temple. Okay, God, now justice will roll through the land. Everything will happen. 
And in their complaints, kind of like a courtroom appearance, the way this is written, it's kind of like they say this. Hey, God, we built your temple. You're supposed to be dwelling with us, but we're still in the same situation of there's bad people around. We're kind of being persecuted. How come the wicked keep growing around us and you're not doing anything about it? We're at the end of our rope. God, do something. Go to the last verse in chapter 2. We're going to stick in this little section here. Here it says, You have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied Him? You ask. By saying, All who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and He is pleased with them. Where is the God of justice? Or, as David wrote in Psalm 73, Why do the wicked seem to prosper? I suffer, and the wicked seem to have all these great things for them. God, where is your justice? God is not fair and just for those who do wrong. Our life is difficult, and the things have not really changed for the better. Really, they have. They used to be in exile. Now they're back in Jerusalem. Now they're back, and they can worship. What is sad is this. They thought that with the temple building it and having the glory of God there, justice would come no matter the conditions of their heart. Truly, God is a God of justice. But if people have still sinful, bitter, wicked hearts, they will receive punishment. Where's the Messiah? We keep waiting and waiting. Where's the wealth, our freedoms, our restoration? We're at the end of the rope, God. Now here's a line. I'm going to read this. You're going to hear the word message and messenger done four different ways. Here it is. Of the many messages given in Malachi, the main message to an anxious people was the coming messenger who would point to the main messenger. And I have that capitalized. What am I doing here? I'm kind of playing off what the next verse says. Take a look at chapter 3, verse 1. See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to His temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. In fact, in the Hebrew, Malachi is pronounced the same way you would say messenger. So the word Malachi means messenger. So in this, we've even got three different types of messenger. You've got the messenger Malachi, even in his name means messenger. Then an unknown messenger is coming to point to another messenger. Malachi prophecies of the coming messenger who will prepare the way of Christ, the Messiah. And we see this in the Gospel. Again, even though they're at the end of the rope, we have the extra part. So take your Bibles, go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. We've turned to the first verse a few times in our series, Christ in the Old Testament. Look at Mark chapter 1, the first part. I love this. The beginning of the Gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet. Let me even put, and it's also written in Malachi here. We'll see this. 
I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. In verse 4, And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Look at the phrase, the messenger of the covenant whom you desire. Back to Malachi 3.1. So there's many messengers here. This first messenger is John the Baptist. He's the one who is going to come, but we see here in Isaiah and Malachi, and then Mark says, he's the one that prepares the way for another messenger. He's the messenger of the covenant. And we're going to look at this message of the new covenant more as we get into September as we look at the book of Jeremiah. Let's go back to Malachi chapter 3, verse 2 now. But who can endure the day of His coming? Who can stand when He appears? For He will be like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. A few Sundays ago, we talked about the day of the Lord and the judgment. Who will make it? What is the cure for our sin? And we learned that our own works cannot stand to be exposed on that day because our good works are worthless. In fact, I've had the privilege. I was just talking to Pastor Tony about this. Just last week alone, I got to share the gospel with four different people. And this week, two people. I'm just like, the Lord is doing something awesome. It's just great. The last person I talked to a few days ago, they were like, well, I talked to one pastor and he said, the reason I'm going to heaven is because look at all the good things I've done. I'm like, what? you got to be kidding me. And then this person said, well, what, what do you think? I said, well, here's what I think. What I do will lead me nowhere. The only works I can rely upon are the works of Christ. Our works are like filthy rags. They won't endure. Look at this. They won't endure the laundry soap because it's going to get all washed up. I'm going to be exposed on that day if it isn't for Christ. The ultimate remedy for sin and salvation is not our remorseful obedience and doing good things for God. Those are important after salvation has come. But the ultimate remedy is the one who is coming. The Messiah. The Old Testament is not done yet we need his righteousness if we're going to stand on that day and that is precisely what god, what god gives us in the gospel of jesus christ we need more than just what this rope is giving us in chapter four we don't have time to look at all this whole book it's just amazing there's an elijah-like figure who will announce the day of the lord in matthew 11 and matthew 17 Jesus is that one who announces that this is it. And again, online, if you want to look at some of these notes, they're here, they'll be online tomorrow for you. Jesus presents himself as the one who fulfills this Elijah-like prophet. So let me conclude with this. Put your faith in Jesus. The messenger and the message of God's great love. You might be at the end of your rope. In fact, as I mentioned, it was a few weeks ago, 
we took the kids climbing and we used this rope here and uh, we, we had everyone, I said, this rope can, can hold over 3,000 pounds. Anyone here 3,000 pounds? We're like, no. But when we did that A, B, C, D, and then E, extra push, they would be locked in. I'd give them a push. They'd freak out. They're like, oh. They're like, oh, yeah, the system works. The rope, we've got three ba- two backups, three ways to save yourself. You're going to make it. But the problem is this. Often we trust our own resources. Trust in Christ. He is what the Old Testament is pointing to. He is the main messenger and the main message of God's great love. If you're anxious about these times, put your trust and faith in the Lord of hosts. In fact, in the book of Malachi, it's amazing when I was going through this, the Lord of hosts has this unstoppable power to save. In fact, when you look at every time the word Lord of hosts shows up in Scripture, almost half of the times, I think it's 43%, show up just in this book alone. He is truly mighty to save. You must put your hope and faith in Christ. And I love, even though we're at the end of the Old Testament in the books, we're still going to go back and do Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel. We didn't cover those. But be reminded of this. The Old Testament is about pointing to the beauty of God's great salvation found in Christ alone. For He is truly mighty to save. Amen? Let's pray and then the worship team will do one last song. Father, I thank You so much for Your great love. And as we've seen in the minor prophets, 12 of them, over and over again, these these spokespeople for you would proclaim your message to wake up the people, but they were just a little too busy for you. God, have mercy on us. May we have our priorities right to do all we can to magnify the beauty of Jesus because He is the One who took our place and gave us life. Your redemptive, beautiful love is found throughout even these books of judgment because judgment is never the last word for Your children. You are truly mighty to save. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you stand as we sing our last